There's no uncertainty that climate change is occurring and it's a result of human activity. But what is uncertain is the exact trajectory that it's going to take. And so that poses a lot of challenges for traditional business that's focused on what's going to happen in the short term over the next 12 months. This is Governance Matters, a podcast for corporate secretaries. Hi, everyone. You may have noticed the environmental crisis going on outside. We have, simply put, shot way beyond the planet's long-term capacity to deal with us. And that means we're going to have to change. Ourselves, our organizations, and how we make our money. Or does it? I mean, what's to stop the status quo from holding on to the last bitter gasp? From what I can tell, there's still lots of finance and strategy and risk management types who can't conceive of a future different from the present, who continue to treat their firm's, quote, external environmental and social impacts as basically a PR issue. My guest today wants to change that. Alex Gold believes sustainability issues should be considered as powerful drivers of the bottom line. But to make that dream happen, he's got to change both long-entrenched mindsets and business structures. On this Governance Matters podcast, business strategy advisor Alex Gold on why ESG must be integrated throughout your organization and how to do it. a doctor, right? Yes, correct. In biology? Uh, technically, no. My original degree was in biology, but then um, uh, when I moved, uh, that was in the U.S., and then I moved to Australia to do a PhD program about 15 years ago uh, in climate change and organizational strategy. And so that, that laid a lot of the groundwork for the career that uh, I'm pursuing at the moment. Climate change and organizational strategy? Correct. Basically, you know, at, at the time... Uh, back in, at the time, it was primarily, climate change was primarily just seen as an environmental challenge. But, um, some forward thinking organizations were looking at, uh, how to in, in, incorporate climate change into their sort of forward strategy and, and action planning. Yeah. And, um, some of the challenges that climate change poses, of course, is that it just, it, it means that the future is deeply uncertain. Um, there's no uncertainty that climate change is occurring and it's a result of human activity. But what is uncertain is the exact trajectory that it's going to take. And so that poses a lot of challenges for traditional business that's focused on kind of just what's going to happen in the short term over the next 12 months. Um, and so businesses need to put in place uh, um, series of uh, planning mechanisms to uh, account for that uncertainty, most notably scenario analysis, which is, has been recently recommended in the task force on climate-related financial disclosures. However, that sort of thinking where you're trying to think about how you can be robust or resilient across a range of possible futures is very different to what organizations are structured to do, which is to sort of optimize under the short term. And so that causes a lot of, um, I guess, mindset challenges that uh, organizations need to go through, which is what the work involved uh, way back when. And that's what you're up against. That's what the world is up against at the moment, is a, is a, is a sort of a business structure that is designed, built around short-term thinking, um, as well as a structure that has historically not accounted for 
uh, its role in longer, longer term, larger scale events such as climate change. And so now business has to account for it. And, uh, it has to do so with varying levels of support from the public sector. Uh, and so that, that's the challenge that a lot of companies, especially at the board level, are up against, given that the board is ultimately the one who should be thinking most about the long-term trajectory of the company. Alex, I mean, when you go to boards, all right, I mean, just do they come to you or do you go to them and they say, yeah, we know that we should be aligning our strategy with ESG. What's your general feel about how how this is going on in America? Yeah, there's a variety of, I mean, every business, if you're very business, very few businesses today are starting new. Right, a lot. Of, most businesses have been in, been around for decades, for for eons. Businesses have always used social resources in terms of human resources. They've always had customers. They've always used natural resources. So it's not as if all of a sudden, ten years ago, they started using natural resources. Right? Uh, they they they've they've just become more accountable to their investors, to their customers, and to in some sense also regulators about it. So what what this is getting to is that each company is coming to this slightly differently. Um, for some, it's, it, it, it's, some of them have a very, very strong history of what's commonly referred to as corporate social responsibility, where it's sort of seen as, uh, environmental protection or environmental initiatives are seen as kind of extra rather than core to the business. Um, and in that case, the, the conversations are more about how to change the mindset, uh, from, from, from a board level. That actually this, this stuff that they're doing with related to environmental and social challenges is actually part of the strategy of the business as its core value creation strategy, as opposed to being a, a kind of a separate, uh, initiative that it's doing on the side. Um, and so that, that's a key mindset thing, uh, that, that needs to be adopted. Huh. Um, but, what we're actually getting most interest from is actually the the market the market drive has been um, substantial from investors, from customers, from employees, from investors in particular. Um, it is certainly not sufficient. Like it, it's not a substitute for strong public action in this. And you see a lot of anyway. So not to go down that rabbit hole, but um, what we're actually seeing is a lot of general counsels, for example. Um, or heads of investor relations or some of these functions coming together and saying, we need to, you know, we're, we need to have better oversight of this. We need to have a, a structure where people understand, um, how, what ESG means for them and their business and, and so from their functions and thus what targets we can set and how can we achieve those targets realistically. And that's where we get some saying we should set up a board committee on this. Or, uh, we have a board committee, but how can we, how can we better integrate it across the various committees that we do have so that it's shared across the whole board instead of just being sitting in one committee and not, not the others. And again, it depends on what businesses are, are starting with. Some of them already have ESG in a committee and they're looking to branch it out to make it, uh, more collectively owned across the whole board. Others don't have any board committees at all thinking about it at the moment. Uh, and so they're looking to set up not only do, do they set up a single committee, do they set up a, a, a series of committees? Oh, sorry, do, or do they distribute um, do they distribute responsibilities across existing committees? And a lot of it also depends on board interest. So when I was in um, 
when I was in the corporate sector working for in in major listed companies, uh, I was involved with setting up, helping set up some board ESG committees. But that's also because there was significant board interest. Um, you know, the, the 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 boards they they wanted to know what was going on. They wanted to have oversight of 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 the ESG strategy and the reporting. And so they wanted to work with management to set up a committee. And um, so, sorry, pardon me, just just to fix this for me, is, is that when they bring you in, or 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 have they already decided on that, and then they say, call you and say, okay, integrate this throughout our organization? Like they've usually they've 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 it's it's a variety of. Um, I'll tell you where it usually starts because. Um, it's an overused term, but ESG really is, is a journey. And, you know, we get brought in sometimes right at the start or sometimes they've already started and they realize they need to change tack or, um, you know, the existing partner they're working with, they, they want to move, move on from or, or, or whatnot. Um, usually it always starts with, okay, identifying what our key, what our, what our ESG issues are. Uh, and then that's where we get into this discussion of what material issues are. And there's a whole, uh, you know, kerfuffle going on about materiality, but it basically boils down to two things. An organization will have, can have impacts on the external environment in some way. So the natural environment or communities or, or, or people, um, including international human rights and, and all that stuff. And that's defined as sort of stakeholder impact. That's an impact lens toward materiality. And then some of those impacts, uh, it can also have a can sort of rebound back and have an impact on the financial performance of the business. So you know, in long and those are determined. Those are what's referred to in the literature as financial materiality, or sometimes enterprise value materiality. Um, and that's yeah, I won't go into detail about how that's slightly confusing. But you're talking about double materiality. You've written that about that. That is double materiality. That. So double materiality is the concept that ESG topics or environmental, social, or governance topics can be material. So that's generally speaking important to the organization and or its stakeholders right. because they represent impacts of the business on the external world or external environment and social factors. That's one lens. And then the second lens, the double, where the double materiality comes from, is the concept that ESG topics can be material because they impact the company's capacity to create value. So, and there are different um, levels of severity that could constitute each one. So what I mean by that is, you know, companies have impacts, you know, they can impact someone, you know, human rights out in whatever countries their supply chain is coming from. And they could be having serious impacts in that regard. Um, and so some stakeholders will consider that to be important, regardless of whether that also has a financial impact on the company. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Now, other things quite have a very strong financial impact on the company, yet is not a direct impact that the company has had on the external world. And you see sea level rise, right? So let's say you've got property in a low-lying area. You've got a problem on your hands uh, because long-term climate change says that your property will probably be underwater. Now yeah. you 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 may have just bought that property, and 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 you know that that is a result of the 150 so years of carbon emissions that have gone out into the world. 
So you are in a way kind of responsible for that impact, but really the most important lens for you there is the fact that the, your asset value is going to go down. It's not, it hasn't already because of an ES, because of what is on paper and ESG issue being climate risk. So those are the two lenses of materiality. So to get back to where we're brought in, a lot of companies and boards or, 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 or general counsel or investor relations or operations will say, we need to understand what our material ESG issues are. And so we can apply that double materiality lens to help them understand exactly what they are. Okay. Hmm. And then once you've identified what they are, then the challenge then becomes, okay, well, how do we manage it? And this is where it really hits the road when it comes to like a governance perspective. Because it's, it's, it's not hard to bring in an external provider to identify what your material topics are. Um, in fact, there's a lot of public literature out there about what material topics are for, for certain industries. You know, if you're, and, and, and it varies by industry. So if you're a retailer, for example, that, you know, uh, sources your own products and white labels them, um, things like packaging waste are, 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 would be a material topic for you. Uh, you know, the, the emissions associated with your operations, how much you pay your staff, whether, you know, whether you have low paid workers with few benefits or whether you, they're paid a living wage. Those are the sorts of things that we talk about when we think about ESG topics. And they vary by industry. So a real estate group, for example, packaging waste is not a big deal for them. But things like, you know, the embodied carbon or the amount of carbon that's used in construction materials is. Hmm. Um, and then you've got things like gender diversity, which is, is a strong focus for most industries and, you know, the property and finance in particular. Um and so that's what we mean by when we say ESG topics. Uh, and they're, and they're, they're usually things that the business is expected to manage at the moment because getting back to where I started, it, 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 because of that increased accountability now. Um, so they might be, it might be coming from investors who want to see companies reduce their carbon emissions or investors that want to see their companies. That these uh, boards are clearly feeling. This is, this is evident to them. They see the same headlines we do about inflows into ESG type funds and so on. Yeah, I mean, this is correct. not a hard sell what you're doing these days is what I'm asking. It's what, what it, it's, it's not a hard sell that they need to focus on ESG. What is the harder sell is seeing ESG as not a tick box exercise, but rather a strategic transformation of the organization. So what this means, there are a lot of different ESG ratings and things out there. Um, and you can optimize for certain investor ESG ratings. You can generally do that without too much strategic transformation within the organization. And it, what I mean by that is, so the, just just reducing emissions, for example, mm-hmm. um, you can uh, you know look at, for example, just the emissions within your within your boundaries of your your property, okay, and that, and then you can say, oh, I've got a net zero target because I'm reducing all the emissions within my within my within my property or within my operations. But you can do that if you want and ignore the fact that you outsource your drivers uh who are using a lot of fuel and you might also outsource other areas of carbon emissions that you simply don't account for just because you want to say you have a net zero target. 
when you're looking at, I guess, excellence in ESG or actually genuinely trying to integrate it, you need to go further than just trying to get good investor ratings or looking at dressing a few things up on the side. And what it, what it, what it means by that, what I mean by that is it, it's acknowledging that kind of your whole business for decades has been able to kind of get away with not worrying about this stuff, even though it has had an impact. Hmm. So looking back, you know, the old environmental impacts of the seventies and the like that, that sprung up with, with that was the corporate social responsibility movement. They arose, uh, you know, they're kind of band-aids. It's like, okay, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll create a new product over here or we'll, we'll pay to clean up that spill or, mm-hmm. you know, we'll just, we'll just do a bit on the side and not actually transform what we do. Now, climate change is so big and so vast and so unmistakably a result of human activity and business is a huge part of that, that it simply can't be band-aided up or packaged up. Uh, we need to think about new ways of working and acknowledge that our, our businesses have in many ways made their profits off of this, uh, these practices that are now creating significant problems. Off, offloading so, the costs, basically. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, but what that means is that, you know, a savvy business now will realize that they're, they don't have a choice here. And at some point, they need to be considering, and climate change is just the one of many, they need to be considering their, these ESG challenges, their material ESG challenges, in the context of their whole business. And so getting back to emissions reductions, you know, emissions reductions are about operational efficiency, so reduce energy efficiency. They're about installing and procuring renewable energy. It's about reducing waste. It's about changing your fleet, electrifying your fleet. It's about looking at the emissions that this create. Uh, like what I'm trying to get at here is this is not one person's job. Hmm. It's a job that actually touches everyone in the organization. And so it's up to boards and executive teams to recognize that and ensure that the skills and responsibilities of ESG are mapped appropriately across the organization instead of just fed or given with one team or sitting in a voluntary committee somewhere, just going to sort out this ESG thing. Like that's not going to work in long term simply because the reality is, is that all of the business uses environmental resources in some way. All the business uses people. All the business has customers. So, sounds good. Sounds good on paper, Alex. Do, do, will investors appreciate that? Can that be like described to them? Yeah, I think that where it shows up in benefit to investors is in the much better job that the company can do on reporting on its progress. Uh, and so what that means is that once everyone has collective ownership of these challenges, it's much easier to go throughout the organization and articulate what you're doing, why you're doing it and, and your success in that, in that, in, in those, in, in achieving your ESG objectives. And that's because when it's, when the ownership is shared, you then end up with everyone has responsibility for actioning the, the items. Are the activities everyone has responsible for collecting data. Everyone's responsible for reporting back up and reporting out. And so it's less a matter of, again, thinking of it as a tick box thing, like, oh, yes, we have an integrated approach here and we can tick that box because, you know, Alex came up with this model or whatever, but more about actually in the longer term, getting the results that investors are looking for and, and things like, in opaque things like impact. 
So investors want to see impact, but how do you know you're having an impact? Well, that result, that requires people on your front lines who are engaging with customers, understanding the impact that the products have had on the customers. And so once you integrate those responsibilities throughout, it's much easier for your teams to, um, and, and again, it's I like much that. Easier and for I like. I, I would like to work for an organization like that. I would like to. Well, yeah. I mean, as, as, and but if, that's the if point. If I was getting a pat too. on the head for that. Yeah, I mean that's but that's that's but that's exactly the point. It's no longer just what the investors want. It's what the employees want as well. And you know, talent attraction and retention is is very wound up in 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 the labor market now with ESG and, and a lot of companies want to work for companies that have purpose. So you see a lot of pur- companies thinking about, you know, what is the purpose of the company? And this is, this is very squarely in, 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 in a board level responsibility. If a company doesn't have a purpose, then why does it exist? To get back to the idea of everyone having responsibility though, it requires a fundamental, sometimes will require significant reallocation or expansion of resourcing. Right. And this is where the CEO or others who are currently incentivized to meet sort of financial hurdles or something might resist. And uh, this is the hard work in a way, because, you know, it's easy for someone like us to come in like typical management consulting style and say, all right, these, these people should be responsible for this. These ones should be responsible for that. But then these people who were, you know, allocating responsibilities toward already have full jobs that they're already doing, right? Uh, and so it requires leadership to agree that this ESG thing is actually a fundamental shift and requires a shift in resourcing and is not just, uh, you know, a, a, some sort of push to try to create, a, to push an agenda from an environmental angle throughout the whole company. Which actually would backfire, I think. It would, it would alienate people. It would, it would, if people weren't given you know, agency, then it could easily be seen as just another PR thing coming from, from above. You know, kind of a... Uh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, and people are, people are given agency. I mean, when, when we work with teams, uh, to your point, everyone wants to know, everyone, you know, everyone wants to understand and better feel empowered to have impact in what they do from day to day. So whether it's a financial team that, you know, wants to do a better job measuring the, the impacts of, of their expenditures and, and, and reporting on that, or whether it's a procurement team that wants to, uh, you know, make choice, better choices around where it gets, you know, how it gets low carbon materials or where it sources, uh, materials from, or whether it's an operation team that always thinks it, it you know, that, that will want to do things more efficiently. We never see a problem so much in the, the individuals sort of accepting and feeling enthusiastic about, about doing what we're doing, but about doing about, about a truly adopting ESG, mm-hmm. I, I should say. But where the problem comes in is sometimes the, what they need to do actually is just, it is significantly, it can be a lot more work. And if these, and it's, and if the leadership doesn't understand that this ESG thing is actually serious work, then you're going to end up with these people who, uh, the people at the front lines who want to do it, but they're already they're already 120% full, and then you've got a sustainability team agitating the procurement team, for example, to say, you need to be collecting supplier data on emissions. You need to be making better choices on emissions, and then they're going back saying, how do I do that? I'm already I'm already you know fed up with all this supply chain madness over the last year and a half, and now you want me to do this too? 
and that's where you get a challenge. And, but if leadership gets it and if the, if they're encouraged by the board, they'll recognize that, okay, yes, this is procurement user's responsibility to, to manage and report on supplier missions and they need to be appropriately resourced to do that. Okay, well, then backing up, Alex, um, like, uh, let's say we've got the board to that, to that point. Where would they start? Where would you? Yeah, so, I mean, you, like, we, if you've identified what your material issues are from a, from a, from an impact in a financial sense, um, you then look at actually integrating into the business. And that's where we use actual governance management models that have been around for, for, for decades. I think, um, but we're sort of adapting them for ESG, and one of them in particular is the is called the, is the three lines model that was published from the I think the, it's an audit model actually, um, and it's it's used to get collective ownership of an issue across the organization, and it's commonly used for for risk management. So, um, for example, like it's not the risk team's job to go and check everyone's workstation and, and or check the site. To make sure that it's safe, it's actually everyone's responsibility on the front lines. It's the construction worker's responsibility. It's the office worker's responsibility, and they represent the first line. Uh, you know, those functional teams represent the first line of whatever the topic is. In this case, risk management. Then you've got the second line, which is a, a committee-based or, or a risk team that actually sets the frameworks and the re- reporting mechanisms and the like. Then you've got the third line, which in, in that case is audit. We, we work with teams because it's a familiar model. Many teams are, uh, many companies and boards, uh, are familiar with it. And so what we've done is we said, look, okay, you agree that once you get them across the line, you agree that ESG does need to be integrated throughout the whole roles and responsibility of the company and not left to just be part of a, uh, of a team operating on its own or be a part of voluntary committees that you can apply a, a similar three lines model to actually see where ESG roles and responsibilities sit across your functional lines. So if it's, you know, human rights, um, human rights assessments, you know, that can be put in the, 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 the supply chain team that has re- resp- relationships with those suppliers are best placed to be also looking at human rights challenges in the supply chain, for example. Um, you've got operational teams that can look at waste efficiency, that can look at, you know, um, procuring better materials for, for offices and, and, and the like. And so by distributing those roles and responsibilities across the front lines, across the functional lines, you create that shared ownership. And that's the first line. And then the second line is the sustainability team or some, some sort of ESG function that actually looks at, okay, what are the material topics? What is our strategy? How, what targets should we be setting? Uh, how, and then they help coordinate activities across the, the first line, across the functional line. Uh, and then finally, in the third line, you have your audit and insurance, you also have board oversight. Um, but basically, what this allows the company to do is use a familiar model to also uh, to, to tackle this sort of complex uh, and almost operationalize what until then was, it was a complex, almost unwieldy thing of, of, of ESG. And, but I think it's important to note here that this model assumes that there will be roles and responsibilities that ESG will have, will be, uh, you know, integrated into the functional lines, into that first line, and that there will also be some sort of standalone sustainability function. So what we're looking at is actually both. We're looking at a standalone function as well as integration within all, all the, all the front lines. So some places where I've worked and or places I've seen where they've done this well 
is they've had a you know, sustainability team that, that is responsible for this uh, strategy and, and target setting and helping collate the reporting and such. But then there would be sustainability champions or maybe even sustainability would be in the titles of certain people in, in the different functional lines because they would be the ones who would be responsible for kind of driving the implementation of ESG within that particular function. Um, and so that's, once the board has sort of adopted it, they then realize, okay, it needs to be truly integrated. That's the model we use to, to help companies understand what needs to be done in kind of a target state. And then it's up to them to, to resource it appropriately. I think, okay, interesting. Organizational so, challenge, not an easy thing to do. Um, no, no. But that, like, that's, I mean, like, you know, that, that, it's, it's, it's the world we're in at the moment. Like, the, there's no, there's no quick fix to climate change. There's no quick fix to, you know, some of what we're seeing. We're now, we're now permanently, you know, globalized, even though it comes, even though it goes back and forth in waves. You know, we've got technology that connects people all around the world. Um, and we're facing a climate challenge that is enveloping everyone as well. And so, you know, it, it's, it's about recasting the century-old mindset of business operating on its own to taking account for its, taking account for, for its role and, it, and its opportunity in, in the global system. And that work doesn't happen overnight, but um, it's very fulfilling work. And the companies that we work with who are really on board, you know, there it's also great to see sort of change that you can be a part of. And that's your Governance Matters podcast. My thanks to Dr. Alex Gold, head of ESG and CEO of BWD North America. And thank you for listening. In Montreal, I'm Jeff Cossette.